Jude 17 says, But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time, who should walk after their own ungodly lust, very similar to our world today. These be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the spirit. And that word sensual there has a, a sensitive form to it. We live in a very sensitive world today. Verse 20 says, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And if some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. I want to look at that phrase there, of course, verse 22, a familiar passage. But it says, And of some have compassion, making a difference. I've not had much of a, a life verse. Uh, you know, I just I, I look for one, really haven't had, had much of one. My wife and I, when we met, started dating, we uh, began to use 2 Corinthians 3, 5, which says not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Uh, we use that for our uh, kind of uh, couple verse, I guess, or marriage verse. Uh, but I was studying this uh, about, a, I guess, maybe a month and a half ago in preparation for our missions trip. And I came across this verse, and I've preached from this passage before, and, and really this verse just, the Lord laid on my heart, this, this is what I'm going to consider my life verse. And this is what I want here. I want my life to make a difference. I just want to make a difference. You know, I don't want to waste it. Like Paul said, I don't want the grace of God to be wasted on my life. I want to make a difference. And so I'm going to look here today at this thought, living a life that makes a difference. How do we do that? If, if, the, if the Bible says that we can, but, you know, if some have compassion making a difference, then what is it that we need to do to live a life that makes a difference? So that's my challenge today. Let's pray and we'll get into this. Father, we thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to be here. It is a joy. It's an honor to be able to stand behind this pulpit. And, Lord, to preach from your word and to work with uh, this staff, this faculty, Lord, it's, it's just an honor and a joy, and I appreciate it. But, Lord, now as I, I share the next few moments from your word, what you laid on my heart, I pray that you'd open up the hearts of these young men and these young ladies here today, that they would receive what they need. And, and Lord, help them understand that not only can they make a difference with their lives, Lord, your desire is that they do make a difference with their lives. And God, I pray that you'd help us today. For the next few moments, may we bring glory and honor to you. We pray this in your name. Amen. As I was reading this uh, early August, about a month ago, in fact, a month ago this time, the 13th, we were finishing up our missions trip. We uh, took a group of young people with our uh, youth group from Clay's Mill Baptist Church. So I think there were 38 of us that went with teens and, and uh, uh, chaperones. And, and so we, we were there actually the August the 8th to the 15th. So we were preparing and I knew as a, a chaperone, typically what we do is we're divided up into rooms as far as hotel rooms each night and you're given two or three young people to stay with you. And, and uh, yeah, as the chaperone, you're in charge of having, making sure devotions are done. And, uh, and so we would give a, a nightly devotion uh, if the, the host missionary or whatever the trip would call for. If they didn't have the devotion, then we would do it in our rooms. And so I planned this out. I wrote out these different days and, and it all themed around compassion. Uh, and I had it written down in the first night. We went to this one right here. Uh, we went to, to 
Jude 20 through 22, uh, talked about making a difference, having compassion. And then the, the rest of the week, uh, the missionary, Brother Ewer, had devotions there at his house. Uh, and he spoke the entire week on having compassion. And I thought, you dirty dog, you took my notes. You know, you took it, and it could have at least asked for them before I got there, you know. I uh, you know that was the Holy Spirit leading and working in that. And so I've, I've been reading on this and studying on this. And I just want to share with you some things that, that uh, I got from this in pre preparation for us going to a mission field. Now, we went to the Navajo Indian, the reservation there. Uh, and so we flew into Phoenix, drove three hours to, the, uh, to what was called Tuba City, where we were going to be staying, where Brother Ewer, Miss Ewer, and their family are. Uh, and we spent a week with them, about 10 days with them, and going out trying to reach people for Christ, had vacation Bible school and different services. And, uh, and, and so we were excited. We get there the first day, you know, and uh, it's the second day. It seemed like it took forever to get there, flying and then driving and then the time change of three hours difference. Unless you're in, in the reservation, it's a, it, they, don't, they keep their own time. They're actually uh, an hour different than what the three hours was. And so we had no idea what time it was the entire week. Uh, all we know is it was time to eat. That's all we knew. Because there's like nothing like going on a missions trip and gaining five pounds, you know. Uh, and so, uh, but we, we were there and, you know, we were, we were excited the very first day that we were there getting instructions on what to do. Uh, and so we asked them, Brother Ewer said, hey, do you have any questions? We're about to go knock on doors. And we're like, yeah, what do, you know, what, is, there, is there anything we should not say? Anything we should do? I mean, different customs, different cultures. Uh, and so he said, no, not really, except for one thing. You can't talk about death. Although that's great. We're going to go over the gospel. Let me give you the plan of salvation without death. It's kind of difficult. You can't reference death. Now, you can tell them that Christ died for them, but if you were to talk to them about death or their death, they would get upset. Because what would happen is someone in their family would die and they'd blame the church. They'd blame you because you mentioned the word death, therefore you caused someone to die in their family. And so we'd be very careful. And I thought, this, this is going to be exciting. Let me go through the plan of salvation. We can't say anything about death or where would you spend eternity. I don't know about you, but that's about 99% of how I present the gospel. Where are you going to spend eternity when you die? Uh, and so we had some tricks and some things we had to get around on that. And, and uh, I did find out I got to preach the, uh, one of the evening services there. Uh, and so we had a crowd of folks underneath the pavilion. And I got to preaching. I was talking about salvation. You know, I thought, well, we're going to plan on salvation. I'm in the preaching service. It should be okay to talk about death. And so I said, Christ died for you. If you die without Christ, you'll go to a devil's hell for eternity. And there was a gentleman who didn't take that very kindly. Now, granted, he did come in a little intoxicated already. And, uh, and so with that mixture and me letting him know that he was going to die and go to devil's hell without Christ, he had a few choice words that he expressed while I was preaching. And if you ever preach in that kind of atmosphere, you're going to have those things, especially if you're preaching in a nursing home. Different story altogether. But, but you have to be prepared, okay? And so he didn't like it. He had a hard time with it. And, and you know, I got a little frustrated, but I thought we're here to make a difference. And I can't make a difference if I'm not willing to accept some things to help them make a difference. And so with that, that everything went on. It was a great trip. We ended up having, uh, I think, 20 or 25 folks come to know the Lord through uh, Vacation Bible School, through door-to-door -door soul winning. Uh, just a great time. And so on the part of the instruction, here's what I'm giving this. Part of the instruction was they were asking questions of what should we do, what should I do? And they said, what if someone gives us something? Should we take it? And Brother Ewer was like, well, I mean, it'd be okay. And yeah, a lot of stuff's going to hurt you. Don't take something's going to hurt yourself, obviously. Uh, and so he said, but here's the thing. They're not going to give you anything. 
They just don't do that. They don't give things away. And so as we're out and we're knocking doors and, and uh, we pull up and my, my youngest daughter was with me and, and, and some of the other teenage young ladies were there. And we get out to, to knock on doors and someone in the group spotted a house that had this massive dog. And, but every house had at least 12 dogs. And so we, we get up there and like, we're like, I'm not going to that door. They're not going to that door because this dog was on the porch. And I'm like, well, I'm not touching that door with that dog on the porch. And he, you girls can go ahead. I'm the chaperone. We need a chaperone. I drive a, a van back, okay? All right. I have to be, I'm a driver. They need me to go home, okay? Uh, and so we get out, we unload the van, and, and we're getting out. And uh, I notice on the back of the car in the driveway is a Pittsburgh Steelers bumper sticker. Yeah, we're about to get into the truth right now, okay? And I said, listen, I've got to talk to these folks. I've got to talk to these folks. I grew up in uh, South Central Pennsylvania, about an hour from Pittsburgh. And so I'm a hardcore Steeler fan. I don't care if you like it or not. Uh, and especially if you're a Dallas fan, I definitely don't care if you like it or not. And, and, so, <laughs> and so I said, I've got to talk to these people. And so I go up and, and, and uh, my daughter and I, Clarissa and I are there. And we look around and there's no dog anywhere in sight. I thought these girls are crazy. They just, they don't want to soul win. They're just out here. They, you know, they, you know, I mean, they, they just, they didn't want excuses. No, they didn't. They saw a dog, but it disappeared. And so I guess they let it in the house. I don't know. But so I walk up, we knock on the door and the lady comes to the door and, and she answers the door and she's got a Pittsburgh Steeler lantern around her neck, you know, with her keys. And I thought this is the house for me right here, you know? And so we're talking a little bit. Her, her grandma's there. The daughter's there. They've got a little girl there. So the granddaughter's there. And we're talking about BBS, we're talking about going to church, and they were going to a church. They've already trusted Christ as Savior, and so I got disappointed because I couldn't lead them to the Lord, you know, being Steeler fans, but, you know, they're already fans, so they must be saved. So, uh, and so uh, they, they, uh, they were already trusted Christ as Savior, got excited, had a good visit with them. I thought, yeah, they'll come to the services. My daughter and I turn away to, to walk away, and as we're walking away, this, the grandma comes out, and she's like, hey, I've got something for you. And we turn around, and she hands me this right here. Look at this right here. Check that out. Like that, see that right there? Yeah. You look Dallas fans like that? Yeah. All right. <laughs> now, this is not just any sign. This was actually made there on the reservation. It was uh, carved there and inscribed there. They used the NFL, which would sue them if they knew they were using that. But that's all right. Uh, and so uh, usually you have to make it like the EFL, just so the, the end has to look a little different. But, but uh, they did this, and, and I've got it. I know it's burned in the back here. Who did it? The Tuba City Navajo Reservation. And I thought, yeah, how about that, Mr. Missionary? They just gave me this. And uh, yeah, it was an exciting trip. I had a common bond in that. You know, that, this, this made a difference in my life. It's just a little gift. But it made a difference in my life. It encouraged me to realize that, you know, people, you know, we, we, we all may be different in our culture and different in our background. I guess I can keep this out. Uh, but we, we still have a common bond in Christ or a sports team, either one of those. Uh, but, but, you know, it made a difference. And I thought about this in our passage. What, what makes a difference in our lives? What is it that makes it? Every one of us in this room has someone in their life that made a difference. You, we could go around the whole room and you could raise your hand and tell us probably more than one, probably many that invested in your life and you would not be here if they didn't make a difference in your life. So what was that difference? What made them different to make a difference in you? Webster's 1820 Dictionary defines the word, uh, actually, let me, let me say this. When you're dealing with making a difference, the Bible says in verse 22, and of some have compassion. 
And so these two words are linked together. You will never make a difference without compassion. It's not going to happen. Now, you can have compassion and not make a difference. But if you're going to make a difference in someone's life, if your life is going to make a difference in this world, you have to have compassion. That's why we have together. It says here, and if some have compassion, making a difference. Now, Webster's 1820 Dictionary defines the word compassion as a suffering with another, painful sympathy, a sensation of sorrow excited by the distress or misfortunes of another, or just simply it means pity. But as we see this, it has to do with the idea of, of seeing the suffering and trying to be a help. Noah Webster said this, compassion is a mixed passion compounded of love and sorrow. At least some portion of love generally attends the pain or regret or is excited by it. I want you to get the statement that he said here. Extreme distress of an enemy even changes enmity into at least temporary affection. You know what he was saying? Everyone needs compassion. That's what he's saying. Even our enemies need compassion. Compassion has a way of making a difference in everyone's life. Everyone needs it, but you know also, everyone can give it. Every one of us can be compassionate today. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter your, your ethnicity, doesn't matter where you came from, what you've studied, how you studied. Every one of us can be compassionate today. Every one of us can make a difference. And so I want to challenge us today on this idea of, of, of having compassion, making a difference, or a life that makes the difference. The word compassion is first found in Exodus chapter 2, verse 6, where it says, And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept, and she had compassion on him, and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Now, obviously, that's the story there of, of uh, Moses being drawn out of the water. Uh, and so Pharaoh's daughter finds the baby, and she has compassion on the baby. And you want it? That made a difference in his life. That was a pretty big difference. She had the ability to either take that life or to keep the life. And because of her compassion and through the Lord's direction, she spared that life. God used Moses to lead his people. God used that compassion to make a difference. All throughout the word of God, you're going to find compassion. And when you have compassion, you make a difference. So what kind of life is it that makes a difference? Number one, if you're keeping notes, we have, or we make a difference. We have compassion by seeing, by seeing. Take your Bibles, if you would, let's look at Mark chapter six. Mark chapter six, and this is really the beginning of, of what my devotions were that day as I prepared this thought of, of having compassion and making a difference. In Mark chapter six, we find a very familiar passage. Verse number, let's go back to verse number 30. It says, And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both of what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart unto a desert place and rest a while. Now let me just give you some background. We were going to the Navajo Reservation. It was a desert place. It wasn't going to be a place of rest for us, but it was a place that we could bring rest to those that were lost. And so I wanted to challenge our young people, listen, that, that we have a, we're going to a desert place and, and it needs to be a place of rest that makes a difference. And so he says they go to a desert place. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. Talking about the disciples, verse 32. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. 
And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all the cities, and now went them, and came together unto him. Look at verse 34 of Mark chapter 6. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, and was moved with, what? Compassion. What moved him with compassion? What's it say there? When he was come out, he saw much people. You know what made a difference that we're going to see to come here? It began by Jesus seeing the people. If you're going to have compassion, you have to see the needs of those around you. The sight brings compassion. Now, the compassion won't make a difference until you do something about it. We'll talk about that as we finish. But I want you to see, in a life that makes a difference is one that sees the need of those around them. Jesus saw much people and was moved with compassion. Listen, if I'm going to be a Christian, Christian means Christ-like one, then I need to do what Christ did. When he saw the people, he was moved with compassion. Seeing the multitude of lost souls around us should move us with compassion. It should. Now, I'll be honest with you, I don't like being in large groups of people. I just don't like it. I don't like being crowded. I, I, don't, I, just, I just don't care for it. Lexington traffic is horrendous. And I won't, I won't take the, the time needed to talk about how horrible it is and how everyone's driving is terrible except for mine. But, but listen, we're in a large city. There's a lot of people here, but that should cause us to have compassion. We get frustrated. I'm tired of sitting in this traffic. I'm tired of these people who have no idea how to drive. I'm tired of, of all these things. Wait a minute, wait, we need some compassion. And I know what's going to happen. I'm going to leave here today and get behind the worst driver in all of the world. And the Lord's going to say, go ahead, practice. <laughs> it better not be one of you all. That's all I got to say. <laughs> but we have to see the need. It said he saw the multitude. He was moved with compassion. We need to see it. They didn't irritate Christ. They caused him to see their need for him. What about you today? Do you see the need for compassion in those around you? You can read the, the Word of God. Every time the word compassion is used in the New Testament, it deals primarily with Christ. He had compassion. He saw he had compassion. Everything around him, he had compassion. Every time Christ had compassion, the lives of those around him were changed. They were different. This passage deals with the feeding of the 5,000. You see the difference here that, that Christ saw the, the need and had compassion. The disciples saw the people and said, send them away. You can read that passage. Their first thought was, hey, they need to eat, send them away. Let them go find their own. Christ said, hey, they need to eat. What can we do to help them? That's the difference of compassion. When you see the multitude and have compassion, you will make a difference. The disciples said, send them away. Christ said, sit them down. They were able to see a miraculous event of the feeding of probably close to 10,000 people because of compassion. Number one, how do we have compassion? It becomes by seeing. Number two, it comes by serving. It comes by serving. Look, if you would, over to Mark chapter 5. Just one chapter back, maybe even on the same page there. Mark chapter 5, look at verse 19. Mark chapter 5, verse 19. Now, this passage is dealing with a, 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 the maniac of Gadara. You know, as we read this verse, I'm always amazed. This passage, I'm always amazed. Look, look at what the verse says, verse 19. 
Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home now to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. Now this is the end of that story. But as we, re we know the story, the guy is running around, he's, he, he's without clothing, he has no mental capacity, he's demon-possessed, filled with a legion of demons, he cuts himself, he tears himself, he, they've chained him, he's broken the chains, he's running wild. He's your everyday bus kid. Especially on Sunday morning when you pick them up. They come out hopped up on sugar and anything they can find out the door. and They just, it's like you've, you've got adult teenager, adult men trying to contain this one child. And this passage, that gives the whole list of this maniac, this crazy demon-possessed person. But you know when the only time is referenced that the people were afraid of him? was when he's sitting in his right mind with Jesus. Look what it says. Verse uh, 16, And they that saw it told them, actually verse 15, And they came to Jesus and, and, and see him that was possessed with, his, with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, notice that, and they were afraid. You mean tell me all those things that he did possessed didn't cause any fear, but we have someone who's in his right mind and he's clothed and he's sitting there and he's behaving, he's cleaned up, he's doing what God says to do and they're afraid? Listen, folks, that's our world today. We live in a world where we'll go out to our bus routes, we'll go out and visit these families and these kids will see you coming in your tie, guys. Uh, ladies, they'll see you dressed up and they'll see you coming and what do they do? It's the bus people, Run! Right? Am I the only one to do that too? Maybe it's just me. I don't know. <laughs> but some of these kids, they'll see you coming and you're, you're cleaned up. You're, you're in your right mind. You're not going to hurt them. In fact, you even have candy to give to them. Boss, the, it's the church people. Run. They're afraid. There'll be someone that comes down that same street. They'll be in the world's clothes. They'll have the world's marks all over them. Maybe even selling drugs. And those kids will stand there and just talk to them like it's nothing. You see, the fear is wrong. The Bible says that they were afraid when they realized that he'd been with Christ. What made the difference? Christ made the difference in that man's life. You know what he said to do? Go back and tell your friends and your family what difference was made. This guy wanted to go with Christ. He said, I want to follow you. He said, no, listen, you need to go back home because you've got friends and family that need to know my compassion. He's given us, he's, he's made a difference in our lives. Listen, man, some of you may have been in a situation where your life used to be a wreck. Your life used to be those ways, but you trusted Christ and you got yourself cleaned up through the Holy Spirit's work in your life. And you're able now to sit and you're able to be in your right mind. And you need to go back and tell those in your home and those that, that you work with of the compassion that Christ made a difference in your life. See, compassion made a difference by seeing, but also does it by serving. Jesus told him to go home to his friends and his family and tell them the compassion he's given. That's what serving is. Serving is showing compassion. The Word of God tells us that the, uh, the servants are to be the least. That's who's the greatest in the eyes of God, those who serve. Why don't we serve? We have compassion. We take what God's done for us and we share with others. Do you know why being a servant is so hard? Because it requires lowering self and showing compassion on someone else. I'd rather please me. I'd rather live for me. I'd rather serve me. But if I'm going to live a life that makes a difference, I have to serve others. I have to do lower myself and live for others. Compassion is what makes a difference. By seeing it, by serving. 
Number three, I want you to see it's by standing. By standing. Take the word of God to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. If we're going to make a difference, we're going to live a life that makes a difference, we have to see the need for his compassion. We have to not only see the need, but we have to serve that need once we've seen it. But in Luke chapter 15, we find a, an example of his compassion by standing. We know the passage, we don't read the whole passage, but I want you to see verse number 20. In Luke chapter 15, verse 20 says, And he arose and came to his father, talking about the prodigal son. But when he was a, yet a great way off, his father saw him and, and had what? Compassion. It says and ran. Well, he ran and, and he fell on his neck and kissed him. He didn't run away from him and say, oh great, this, this rebellious young man's back. No, he was standing there waiting with compassion. You see, there were two standings in this, in this passage. We find the prodigal son had to stand up to go to the father. In the beginning of the verse says, and he arose. That means he stood up. He had to make a decision. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to do what needs to be done to get back to where I need to be. He had to stand up. Not only do we see the prodigal son standing, and sometimes we need to show some compassion on ourselves and allow ourselves to overcome the mistakes that we've made. You may be in this room today, and you don't let yourself get over the fact that you are a sinner. Listen, we all are. We all make mistakes. It may be that you need to have some compassion on your own life today and realize, yes, you made a mistake. Yes, you messed that up. But you don't have to stay in the mess. But the prodigal son said, listen, I made a mistake of this. I'm in a mess right now. But he stood up and he had compassion on himself to make it right. He didn't stay in the mess. Too many young people today, they get into a mess and what they do, they feel bad. They realize, well, I don't know if I can make it right. And they stay in it. Don't stay in the mess. Have compassion on yourself. Brother Dunn mentioned it greatly yesterday when he talked about get out of the middle. Don't just stay there. And it may be that you need to have some compassion on yourself today and say, you know what? I did. I'm admitting it. I made a mistake, but I want to make it right. And stand up and get out of that mess. Get back where you need to be. Not only did the prodigal have to stand for compassion on himself, but we find a father who's been standing still the whole time waiting for compassion to show I love this story, especially as a father. I realize how important it is that we have compassion. The father was still standing and looking for his son. The father never quit standing for his son. Listen, don't, don't give up. Compassion doesn't quit. Compassion stands and waits and is willing to make right what's been wronged. Keep standing in compassion because you never know when that will make the difference that's needed in someone's life. You never know. There are multiple men and, and that have made a difference in my life. I think of my pastor growing up, and I don't get to see him much because I'll go back to Pennsylvania, but maybe once a year, once every couple of years, and I've made it a habit the last two times we've been there to, to go out with, to coffee with, with uh, my pastor there, and, uh, and just kind of just, I just want to thank him for making a difference in my life. I don't know where I'd be if they didn't. I don't know where, where would you be if that person didn't stand and make a difference in your life? It wouldn't be the same for me. Keep standing. You don't know what difference you'll make in that person's life. 
Not only do we have a life that's seeing and serving but, and standing, but I want you to see number four, it's a separate by separating. There has to be separation. The prodigal had to separate from the mess that came that, 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 uh, to come to his father. His father would not let him stay in that mess. He had to come to leave the mess to come to the father. You ever notice the father didn't go to the, the, the world to get him. He waited for him to come back. He had to make the choice. The prodigal had to separate himself from the mess to go to the father, but the father had to separate him from his flesh and show compassion needed. That father had every right to say, who do you think you are now? I gave you all you had. You've already spent everything. Why, why would I give you anymore? He had the right to do that. But he showed compassion. He made a difference. The father had to separate from the fears of what others would think. I'll guarantee you that some of those servants weren't happy about that. We know for sure that the other brother was not happy about it. The father had to stand up had to separate and say, I don't care what anyone else is thinking. I'm going to show compassion. I don't care what the other people are going to say or do. I'm going to have compassion. I'm going to separate from that. We find that by, we have a life that's standing, a life that's separated. Number five, it's a, we, we have a life that makes a difference by strengthening. By strengthening. We won't take the time to turn there, but in Matthew chapter 15, it deals with the feeding of the 4,000. And the Bible says that they brought all the sick and all the maimed and all the blind. And it says and all the dumb and, and basically all the college students they could find, they brought to Christ. And just making sure you're still awake, all right? All right. I know, I got to step on some toes there. I'm sorry. But they said they brought all these folks and they threw them at the feet of Christ. The Lord literally means to throw or to cast down. And Christ had compassion on them. The next verse says that he healed them, all of them. And then you get into the passage of the feeding of the 4,000 right after that in Matthew 15, verses 29 to 32. Let me just give you the notes from this. When you show compassion, it causes others to be strengthened. He showed compassion. He says when he saw that he had compassion on them and he healed them, it causes others to be strengthened. We need to strengthen the lives of those around us. Someone who is weak and struggling to get by doesn't need someone to point out they're weak and struggling. They need someone to stop and show compassion. They need someone to say, look, you can get through this. You can do this. That's what makes a difference. I don't need someone to tell me how bad my life is. I know how bad my life is because of me. I need someone to show compassion. That's what makes a difference. We need to be that one to strengthen. Too many today are tearing down instead of helping up. Let's have compassion by strengthening then the last one here today, we have compassion by, by spending. We make a difference by spending. I do want you to look at Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. A life that makes a difference is one that sees the need. It's one that serves the need. It's one that stands up for that need. It's one that separates because of that need. It's one that strengthens in spite of that need. And number six, it's one that spends to satisfy the need. Mark chapter 1. Look at verse number 40. It says, And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and talking about Jesus kneeling down to him and 
saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. You know, what we find here is we find Christ spending himself on this leper. He spent himself on him. He gave of himself so that this person could be healed. When you see the need of those around you and have compassion, it will cause you to spend yourself on them financially. I know we got to be careful financially helping folks with that, but we can still be smart about it. Helping them emotionally, helping them physically in prayer and in pain for them. You have noticed this world is amazed when a young person gives up something for someone else. They're amazed. They see a young man or a young lady go out and give of their time to help someone. They're amazed by that. That's not usual in our world today. That makes a difference. They see someone who's willing to give of their time, give of their money. They see you every Saturday. Listen, every Saturday they see you coming to that door. They, that neighbor sees you going to that bus kid's door. That's making a difference in their life. You may never get a chance to talk to them and lead them to Christ, but someone else may because of your testimony and you're making a difference in that, that, that little one's life or that, that house's life. It makes a difference. Spending of yourself. This world's amazed by that. They're not used to others showing compassion. You want to illustrate that? Go into a, into a, uh, a restaurant. As you're walking in, hold the door for the person behind you. They don't know what to do. I, I stopped, uh, I was getting, I think I got a Diet Coke from Panera the other day, and I went in to, to get it, and I opened up the door, and behind me there was a, a couple coming in with a, a teenage girl, I think, and the mom was just walking really slow. I'm not sure what the deal was. She was just walking really slow, and you could tell the dad was a little irritated by how long it was taking, and, and he got a little awkward because I stopped, and I held the door. And I just stood there, and they're kind of like, you go ahead. I was like, it's all right. I'm, I'll be Okay. And they walked through and the mom, you know, apologized. It took so long, she said she just got out of the hospital. And I thought, well, I'm glad you're able to at least walk, you know. And she's getting in there. And, you know, they were, they were just kind of like, why would you do that? You, you want to help someone? Lower yourself and just do it. It's just a door. The world doesn't expect it. They're amazed so we have a room full of young people that want to live for God. And you say, well, I, want, I, I have compassion. Then you've got to do something about it. Let me tie this all together with a Bible story. Luke chapter 10. We won't, need, we won't read through it for sake of time, but Luke chapter 10 tells us about the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan had every single one of these. Every single one of them. The Good Samaritan saw the need of the wounded man and had compassion. His seeing and having compassion led him to serving that man. His serving caused him to stand up and even move that man, even though they were enemies. Samaritan and Jews are enemies. His standing allowed him to separate that man from the rough circumstances to the place that, he, that would help him. His separating led him to the place of strengthening that man physically. And his strengthening caused him to spend the time and money that was needed to help that man's difficulties. All of this was done because of compassion. Though we give the title the Good Samaritan because of his actions. 
The Bible never refer- references him as good Samaritan. It calls him a certain Samaritan. But you know why we call it the good Samaritan? The parable of the good Samaritan? Because of his compassion, his actions. He did what no one else was willing to do, and he made a difference. What about you? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to make a difference? It may cost you. It, it, it may take from you. But a life that makes a difference has compassion. Let's all stand. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have today. And Lord, I, I just want to make a difference.